We'll be reading two scripture passages this morning. The first one is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. This is verses 19 through 21 and verse 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The second reading this morning is from the book of Second Corinthians. This is chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Sorry, 6 through 11. <laughs> Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord. All right, welcome again to those of you who are here, those of you who are watching online. Uh, my name is Logan. I have the privilege to be the lead pastor here at LMCC. Um, every year, we have a sermon series on financial giving. And we do that because part of the mission that God has given us and the call that he has on your life is to be free from the power that you've given money and to advance God's kingdom through financial giving. That's our call, and that's his call to you. And as we go through these sermon series, or this is just two sermons and a vision meeting, I want to give a little bit of structure to how you can prepare to engage with it best. And so the first thing I want to let you know is that we're going to be doing two sermons this week and next, and then a vision meeting, and they go together. This is just part one. And it's important for you to understand they go together because anytime we talk about financial giving, there are so many assumptions, especially inside of a church, especially in, in the midst of our current moment. And so we want to take them all together to say, we wanna look at God's truth and then we wanna hear testimonies about how that truth is actually played out in real life and then be able to invite you into what it looks like here at this church. 
Because we believe that every person finds their fulfillment in God when they are free to give generously and radically back to God everything they have received from him. But on top of that, we believe that God has called us as a church to be spirit-filled in our stewardship, to be faithful with every dollar God gives us so that we can stand before him in good conscience saying we have worshiped you with everything that we've received. And so these two Sundays, the messages will involve his truth and testimonies. And then our vision meeting, we will share with you a financial update, walk through what our finances have done this year, and talk about what we believe God's calling us to in the future. And they go together. And I ask that you engage with them all together. Stick with us through it all. And the second thing I want to say about financial giving is this is sensitive, Anytime you talk about money, it is one of the most emotional conversations you can have inside of a marriage, inside of family, inside of church, and then inside of a pandemic. It's sensitive at any time, but it's especially sensitive in a year where we've seen the highest unemployment rate in history of recording that rate, where yes, we've seen some recovery, But there are people in this room and watching online that have questions about the future of their career, whether it's a matter of when or even if that job is going to return. And I recognize that sensitivity. But more than me recognizing that sensitivity and how I speak about these messages, what I want you to hear more than that is that God knows your situation. He is not surprised by what is going on in our world and in your life. And so I want you to be able to see that God knows you. And I want you to see that his promises are true for you now, just as they are in any time of prosperity. His promises do not change. His goodness never fails. His provision is for now and forevermore. And on top of that, I want you to hear that we as a church have been sensitive throughout this year. Because of your generosity, we have been able to follow the pattern set in Acts chapter 2 that if a church is filled with the Spirit, no one has need. And so starting in March and April, Marcy and I and our leaders just began to reach out and say, who has need? Who's losing their job? Who is facing financial hardship? What can we do? And I can stand with great pride in our community that I saw community groups step up to meet need after need after need. We were able to make sure that no one had lack. And that's because of the generosity and the faithful obedience to giving that has happened in this church. And we do it every year because God asks for it every year. He asks for our obedience not to just be a one-time offering, but a regular act. He asked for regular obedience. And the last thing I want you to hear is just our goal. Our goal for this year is wrapped up in the title of this sermon series. And that sermon series title is Freely Give. I want to present you the truth. I want you to hear the testimonies. And then I want you to get in front of God and hear his voice. So that you wrestle with him. So that you hear him say, this is what I'm calling you to give. Back to me as I have given to you. Jesus says, says, freely as you have received, freely give. 
That phrase is listed throughout these scriptures to say it's about freedom. Not obligation, not duty, but freedom. And that's what we're after. And so that's what we're aiming for because we believe that God provides for LMCC. We believe God provides for LMCC and he will always faithfully do that. We believe he wants you to give to God. That's what this is about. And so as you walk through this, my encouragement is to wrestle with this. Fight this until you get answers. And if you're in a community group, that's what that's for, to really wrestle with your doubts, to wrestle with your questions. If you're not, email me. Here's my email. It is logan at lowermanhattanchurch.com. Email me all your questions, anything for clarity, all your disagreements, all your doubts, all your difficulties, and we will walk through this together. Because this is what the church is. We come to God and say, what do you ask? And then together, we follow him in obedience. And after next Sunday, we will call you to pledge for your giving for next year. We're calling everybody in our church to give a pledge for 2021 of what you intend to give for the next year. And it's all gonna be online on our website, lowermanhattanchurch.com forward slash 2021 pledge. We want all to give. All right, there's my framework for this sermon series. But none of it matters unless the Spirit falls on these messages and on you to motivate you to listen to Him and trust Him. And so I'm asking you now to pray with me that you and I would surrender ourselves to God and follow Him. Let's pray. Father, you know your children. You know where they're at right now. You know the posture of their mind or the posture of their heart and the numbers in their accounts. And you know how you want to provide and you know how you want to bless and you know how you want to set people free today. So Spirit, go into every living room, come into this place and free us to trust you. I ask this in the mighty and powerful and victorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first message of our giving series, the title and the message that God has given me to call you to is uncomfortable giving. Uncomfortable giving, partly because giving is not comfortable. If giving is comfortable, that means you're not missing it and you're not feeling it. The scriptures call you to give in such a way that you feel it and you must trust God to come through. And even though we call this sermon series Freely Give, that doesn't mean it's easy for you to give. Now, there are some people in this church that over a number of years, it has become easier and exciting and they get ready for these to see how God will move them. But few of them ever started that way. If they did, it's likely because they inherited it or some supernatural thing happened in them because none of us find it easy to just give and especially give at the measure in which God calls us to. And so as we look at the scriptures today, I want to ask the question, why? Why is it hard for you to give in an uncomfortable way? And then how do you participate in faithful obedience to God in uncomfortable giving? Why and how? And the answer is found in the scriptures that we heard. The first answer to why it's hard is because we, you and I, trust money as our God. 
We trust money as a God. Where I get that is in the scriptures that that was read by Kara earlier in Matthew, the words of Jesus. Jesus specifically says in Matthew 6, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then it goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one or despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and money. He puts it very binary. He says, one will be your master. And it's so easy for you and I to serve money. What does it mean for you to serve money, for it to become your master? It means that you leverage all of your thought and all of your actions to get as much benefit from money as you can possibly get. That you are trying to maximize profits, possessions, and pleasure by seeking out what money can do for you. And he says, instead, maximize the benefits by serving God. Which will you serve? And one will draw at your heart more than others. And money does that uniquely. It does it in you and I, and it does it more in our city than anywhere else. One of the biggest gods of our city is money. The actual translation is mammon. Mammon is personified money. Money taking on a being form that speaks and calls to you and demands of you and says, I will provide for you everything you want and need and then some if you'll just seek me first. And this spirit of mammon is the way the devil twists God's gift because money itself is neutral. And it depends on how you and I approach it. Will we exalt it to the level of deity Or will we use it to serve our true God? And it is easy for us to turn money into God. Now, I want you to see how mammon speaks to you. Because if mammon is this personified being, a tool of the enemy, then it is similar to God trying to speak to you, trying to call to you, saying, trust in me, seek me out, live for me. And I want to highlight two ways I believe that God is trying to do that right now in our church, in your life. And it is in the spirit of poverty and the spirit of prosperity. And I want to start with the spirit of poverty. The spirit of poverty is a scarcity mindset. It says to you, be afraid because you will never have enough. And the spirit of poverty doesn't check your bank account before it tells you that. Because you can have a lot in the bank account and still believe it's just not enough for you to be secure. It's still not enough for you to not worry for the rest of your life. Or you can have little and you can be told you will never, ever have enough. And and there's a reason that when Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 6, he immediately follows with speaking to anxiety. Because the spirit of poverty primarily plays off of fear. And he says there, he follows that, you cannot serve God and money by saying, do not worry what you will eat, what you will wear, or where you will live. But the spirit of poverty says the opposite. Be afraid that you will not have the latest designer clothes and that you will not match up to the people around you. Be afraid that your next meal is something that you cannot be guaranteed. Be afraid that you are going to lack everything the world tells you you need and you will never get it. 
This scarcity mindset comes in and demands of you. Because if you and I were sitting there with Jesus and he said, you cannot serve God and money, we'd probably object to him and go, well, we need both, right? I mean, I need God in my life, but I also got to pay the bills. Like, and I can't see your hand writing those checks. We need both. But the question is, which will you seek first? Because Jesus ends this passage by saying, seek first his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. Because he says, if I clothe the birds of the air, are you much more valuable than sparrows as my son and my daughter? If I make the, be- the flowers beautiful, will I not clothe you with that? Will I not feed you? Will I not provide for you? See, the spirit of poverty says you'll never have enough, so keep fighting and working for yours. Don't trust God. And God says, if you trust me and seek my kingdom by giving to me first, all of these other things are yours and more. See, and the way the spirit of poverty comes in often, um, I believe, is by comparison. You'll never have enough like them. And there is an assumption that you and I always have about somebody else that they have more than us. Because we judge by outer appearance. And so we make this assumption that compared to them, we're poor. But we always tend to measure up. (laughs) And the spirit of poverty says, keep measuring. But measure by the wrong measuring stick. Where God says, trust in me and I will give you all that you need. But there's another way, especially when it comes to uncomfortable giving, that the spirit of poverty comes to speak to you. See, the spirit of poverty will try to prevent you from giving by saying, you don't have enough or you don't have as much as somebody else, so hopefully they'll give more and so that you don't have to give as much and so you don't necessarily pledge up front as much. But the other way the spirit of poverty talks to you is after you give, after you pledge. And the spirit of poverty comes and says, that was really stupid. (laughs) Think about what your friends will think. Think about what others will say if you tell them that you're gonna give to God through his church, that much, uncomfortably? Are you sure? Now that you've given to God, you're probably not gonna have enough to pay the bills. See, that's how the spirit of poverty continues to lie. It will try to stop you from committing to God first, and then it will make you feel bad after you commit to God. But the spirit of poverty is not the only way that mammon lies. He also lies with the spirit of prosperity. Now, prosperity is an American value. And so when I say that, you think I'm attacking something good. But what Mammon specifically translated talks about is this obsession with possessions. And so a prosperity that says, I must have the latest. I must have more, more, more. It is an obsession with gaining what you do do not have and believe that you need. And so it calls you and says, keep seeking more. I know you've been successful here, but keep going for more because they have something else and you need to reach that next status level. That's where your worth will be found if you can hang out with them in that area. And it calls us to envy and jealousy. How is mammon speaking to you right now? 
How is the spirit of poverty or prosperity talking to you? Is it telling you you don't have enough? Is it telling you to seek more? Is it all over underneath all of that? It's saying you must trust and go after money because that's when you'll be happy. That's when you'll be satisfied if you just have the money. And God says, no, if you seek first my kingdom and you get me, if you get freed from this rat race of obsession over money, that's where your joy is found. That's where your peace is found. See, and what I, what I also see the spirit of mammon does is he creates a religious twist around both of those. It takes, comes into the church and says, a spirit of poverty is actually noble and you should seek it and value it. You shouldn't have. If you have, then you're not really honoring God. And it puts a value statement on possessions that God does not. It also twists the spirit of prosperity and it speaks to you and says, give so that you get in return. Let me alter your motivation so that you give in such a radical way so that your bank account grows, your possessions grow because God can't wait to reward you. And it takes a true statement where God says, those of you who want to know me must believe I exist and that I reward those who seek me. That's what it says in Hebrews 11. He wants to reward you. But it takes this truth and it twists it and says, worship the gift and not the giver. Trust in the gift. Seek after the gift instead of seek after God. And what I want you to hear from this is that God is not trying to set you free from a spirit of poverty to give you a spirit of prosperity or a spirit of prosperity to give you a spirit of poverty. He is trying to go after abundance for you. Jesus comes and says, I have come that they would have life and life abundantly. And this passage itself, Paul says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Some of you just need to hear first, God is able. How many people do not believe right now that God is able to meet you in your exact need, whether it be emotional, psychological, physical, or actual financial? How many of you have stopped believing God is able? And you just need to hear, God is able. But here he says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's the testimony of the scriptures. The testimonies of the scripture is that abundance is not merely financial, but it's holistic. How many people do you know have money that have no joy? How many people do you know have money but have broken relationships? See, money is this gateway of giving to God so that you get more than money. Abundance, the abundant life is more than prosperity offered to us in an American philosophy. Abundance in Jesus is all of the abundant life that he is after, every spiritual blessing and financial blessings involved in that, but it's not the primary. He's saying, I want to set you free from the spirit of poverty so you find your security and trust and I will provide for you is what God says. I want you to be set free from this race after prosperity because I can't wait to pour my blessings out on you. This is the truth that he calls us to, to trust him. 
And it, what, what, this ha- what this goes on to do is it confronts your relationship with money. What is your relationship with money? Have you grown up believing that you are not worthy to have because you never had? Have you grown up expecting to have and so you're going to always have no matter what and you don't need to give because it's all about what you can get and make sure that you're secure and every generation after you is secure. What is your relationship with money? And how is God confronting that now? God only confronts so that he can convict because he knows if he can convict, then he'll lead you to repentance, which gives you freedom. And all of us need greater freedom and money. Even if you have been giving at this church or somewhere else over and over and over again, God wants to gain more ground in your relationship with money and your relationship with him ultimately, but he will use money to get you there. Now, I can preach louder and funnier and with more emotion. But more than that, you need to hear that the truth of God is real in real situations. And so that's why I'm going to pass it over to Janice to share a testimony. You've heard her speak truth to you and lead you in worship. But I have, she shared with me her personal story over this last year and what giving meant in the middle of this pandemic. And I believe it's a story for everyone who's watching and I believe it's a story for us here today. And so let's turn it over to Janice. My relationship with money has always been a little dramatic. I moved to New York to do musical theater in 2008. Guess what else happened in 2008? A recession Even though I found some work in theater, it didn't pay much, and soon I was living that starving artist life. I wasn't actually starving, but I do remember counting the dollars in my bank account to plan out how many meals I could afford in a week. At that point in my life, I hardly tithed. I had school debt and credit card debt and a very small bank account. What could I possibly have left over? I met my future husband, Martin, during that time, He was also a so-called starving artist. So our first few dates were at Wendy's. Our first Valentine's Day was a splurge of Chinese takeout. And thanks to a $10 bill, he found on the ground a crappy bottle of red wine. Young love. Martin uh, started tithing right before we met. And when we got married and merged our tiny bank accounts, he convinced me that tithing is a must. I was not the exception to the rule. I've been a strict 10% tither ever since, and we always had what we needed. But the scarcity mindset continued. Actors are always at the bottom of the food chain, and I spent many early mornings lined up to audition next to hundreds of women who looked a lot like me. As the saying goes, even if you're one in a million, that means there's 10 of you in New York City. I worked a bazillion jobs to pay the bills. This often meant working for people who had a lot more money than I did. I spent a lot of time comparing my life to theirs. I spent a lot of time defining myself by my lack of money. Enter LMCC. I've been here about five years now, meaning I have have heard incredible sermons and testimonies about giving for those same five years. If you don't know yet, LMCC people don't just give 10% of what they earn. They pledge money in advance every year. They get risky. 
To me, it always seemed like investing in the stock market, playing a game I couldn't play because I didn't really have extra money. And of course, uh, I still thought of tithing as something you did with the extra, giving God the leftovers. Then last year around this time, Martin and I read Ryan Holiday's book, You of Little Faith. His author name is Ryan Thomas. Ryan used to be the lead pastor here, and the book has ridiculous stories about the way God provided for people after they gave insane amounts of money. But it's about more than just giving. It's about having real faith and a living God who really delivers what he promises. We were hooked, and we decided to make 2020 the year that we really trusted God. And it was We decided to pledge a really uncomfortable amount of money, and the year started out with a bang. Prayers being answered left and right, jobs coming in all over the place, and I was pregnant with our first child. Then, on March 13th, Broadway and most of our city shut down. The shows, concerts, teaching gigs all dried up, and our baby was coming in July. At first, we thought it was temporary. Then, in something like the month of April, I had a little breakdown because I looked at the numbers. If we continued to give the amount of money we pledged, we would be giving away about half of the only income we had left. Surely, if there's an exception to this adventurous giving thing, it's a global pandemic that causes your industry to be shut down. But when I expressed these feelings to my husband... He told me he was pretty sure we should keep on giving that same amount. This was our chance to trust God in a big way. This was our chance to test him like he tells us to in the Bible. See, Malachi 3.10, if you're curious. Martin was, of course, right. After deciding to continue to give what we pledged, we now have more money in the bank than we've ever had before. I am not really sure how that happened. There's been grant money, unemployment benefits, writing gigs, recording gigs, and even a modeling gig with our baby Jackson. The jobs that come in just make us laugh at this point. People were incredibly generous to us when we had Jack this summer, and we continued to inherit quality baby items on a regular basis. We had a family member live with us this year, and she covered half the rent. That was not the plan with a new baby coming, but it's actually been wonderful. No matter how much money or talent you have, some doors just do not open, especially if you're a writer or performer performer in New York City. That's been our story up to this point. So many close calls. But this year, doors have opened up professionally that were completely off the radar in 2019. We're not millionaires by a long shot, but we're doing work we love and the bills are getting paid. Beyond all of that, we can look at the people we were a year ago and the people we are today and see significant changes in the right direction. Our marriage is healthier and we feel a general sense of abundance. We know God on a deeper level because he has become more vital to everyday life. We love being parents way more than we thought we would. It helps that our kid is the most adorable baby the world has ever known. I believe the blessing we're experiencing is directly related to our decision to trust God with our money. 
I didn't realize the hold that money had on my life. I didn't realize how often I worried about money or let money define me. And I didn't realize these things by reading a book or listening to a sermon. I realized them in the giving, slowly chipping away at the lies I'd been taking on for years. I trust God so much more today than I did a year ago. And I want to dive in even deeper now. I am no longer playing a game that has earthly rules or limitations. I did that long enough and it was depressing. I'm in this with God, seeing him as the maker and provider of all things. Every month, when that money leaves my bank account, I am telling him I really believe it's his money and I trust him to keep providing it. I trust him to open doors in his perfect timing. I trust him to show what's really going on in my heart and help me break free from years of worry, comparison, and jealousy. I don't know your exact scenario. I don't know if your life involves multi-million dollar deals or (laughs) scanning the sidewalk for $10 bills, but I believe he knows exactly what's going on in your heart. He knows how you need to be free. He knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Thank you. Somewhat unprompted. Uh, I knew you needed to hear it. I just didn't know when. But over the course of this week, I knew you needed to hear it today. Because I think some of you are going to tell that same story in a year from now. Because you can say, my relationship with money was twisted. But because I've trusted God, I've been free. We overcome by the truth of the scripture, but also by the word of our own testimony. And so I call you to this, and I try to surrender to it every year because I want to tell more stories. I have stories like that. (laughs) A ridiculous modeling gig? No. (laughs) But others. And I want you to have a story like that. The reason it's hard for you is because the devil does not want you to experience the goodness of God. That last verse she said from Jeremiah 29, he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. See, the spirit of mammon says harm yourself at any cost to get money. We hear God saying give and we think, why are you trying to harm me? And God says, no, I'm trying to help you. So it's going to be hard for you to uncomfortably give, but it's going to be beautiful when you trust in him. So the last thing I want to say and answer the question is how. How do you move from trusting money as God to trusting God with your money? How do you participate in uncomfortable giving in the first and the only way is that you let God define uncomfortable giving? Let God define it. Because 
You and I tend to play God with money. We want to determine what uncomfortable means, but God has already determined it for us, and it is way better. Here's what I mean. The first way that God has defined uncomfortable giving is very graciously and specifically. I say it's graciously because it's a percentage and not an amount. See, it's not some entrance fee. It's a starting point that he invites you into. And he is not secretive about it. From the beginning of scripture all the way through, he speaks to tithe or 10%. And he says, give the first 10% of your income. And throughout that initial time, it was the beginning of your harvest saying, I give to you what you've initially gave to me, trusting that you will provide for me going forward. And so if you're wondering what uncomfortable giving is defined as, it is the first 10% of your gross income that you are giving to God. And that's what he's asking for. He gives you a starting point. And it's gracious because it's a percentage. Because that percentage starts off as uncomfortable. Because you might say, I calculated 10% and I'm not sure I can live on the 90. But it's pretty gracious of him to say live on the 90 when he could demand all of it, right? But he starts off very specifically and says, give me 10 and trust me with that 90 that it will get bigger. He says, I will expand the store of seed. I will enlarge the harvest. I will provide. He says, trust me in that. And here's the truth. And Malachi 3 is what Janice referenced. I just want you to see it. So Shay, can you put Malachi 3 up there? For I, the Lord, do not change. Meaning he is faithful then and he's faithful now and he'll be faithful in the future. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? God says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And you say, how? How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, and you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts." Then all the nations will see and call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. See, he's after giving you abundance that we'd be a people of abundance. And he says, give to me the full tithe into my storehouse. The church is the means by which you give to God. But he says, give me the full 10%. But God is still even more clear than that. So for those of you who have yet to do that, he says, give the tithe. But the second thing that God defines uncomfortable giving, he tells you what he loves. He tells you what he loves. See, in in that passage in 2 Corinthians, 
He says, each of you should give what you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you and I to become cheerful about giving. What does it mean to be cheerful? Well, (laughs) we are cheerful and my kids are going, yay, can't wait to get my money away. (laughs) Um, The word cheerful actually means ready and willing. Ready and willing. And that is connected to cheerful, right? Because when you're ready and willing, you're excited to see what God will do. That's where he wants to get you. And so it may start with the tithe, but he wants you to get you to so ready and willing that if he says so generously, above and beyond 10%, something crazy like the Janice and Martin were asked to, that you would say, I'm ready. I'm ready to give, but I'm also ready to see what you do with it. God loves a cheerful giver. What I want more than anything is for you and I to sit in front of God and listen and to hear him give us some number that we're supposed to give next year and for us to say, okay, it's uncomfortable, but I will freely give. Last night, I had a dream, or rather a nightmare, that I was awoken from my sleep with. And in the dream, what happened is I went to bed tonight after this message. And in the dream, I was awoken tonight because I didn't tell you the truth. I shied away from calling you to obedience in radical and uncomfortable giving because I had all the excuses in the book. Because of any time, right, a global pandemic seems like a right excuse. In that dream, I woke up so afraid that I didn't tell you the truth and that we didn't believe the truth. I woke up afraid that I was not faithful to tell you what God says is true and right and calls you to obedience. And I woke up afraid that you and I stopped trusting him. We stopped putting him to the test and we began robbing him. And I was so afraid. And so today, I'm telling you, don't play God with your finances. Because when you play God with your finances, finances become your God. And I want you and I and this entire city to be freed from the spirit of mammon. So let's be that people that proclaim it is good to uncomfortably give. Because I trust in the goodness of my God. Freely you have received, church. Freely give. Let's pray. Father, I praise you that you are God and there is no other. I praise you that you are gracious and clear. Father, forgive us where we have robbed you. Let us return to you and test you and trust you. Let us see how you will throw open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessing. Spirit, go and meet with everyone who knows God, that they would hear your voice calling them to trust and obey. This has never been our money. It's always been yours. 
And so we release it back to you because you deserve it and you are far greater than any money we could ever have. So we trust you no matter how uncomfortable it gets. We choose to give. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.